Dimitri Bivol does the unthinkable and stuns the boxing world by beating the pound-for-pound pound king Canelo Alvarez. Did you see it coming? I didn't. Also, on today's podcast, we'll be talking about a huge exhibition bout as Floyd Mayweather gets set to return to the ring. A former British world champion announces his retirement, and there's quite a few exciting fights to discuss on tonight's podcast. This is Fessel Khan for Lights Out, proudly sponsored by Spartans Law. And this is Podcast 52 of the Lights Out Boxing Podcast. Delighted to be joined by the face of Lights Out, the MVP of Lights Out, the main man of Lights Out, the Cristiano Ronaldo, the, the Mo Salas, the Sadio Manes, the Akshay Kumars, the Amita Bachans, the Tiger Shroves, whatever famous character he wants to familiarise himself with. It's Mohsin Gulshir, a.k.a. Ronald Jeremy. Ron, how you doing, mate? Pleasure to be back on again, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Love <I> mean, the interaction. <laughs> oh, listen, mate, when it comes to your interaction, is you know, it's just one of the many high points I've got about you. You know, I'm always singing your praises. I'm always telling all my closest friends how much of a great guy you are and you know how good you've been for lights out over the years. You know, it, podcasts are never the same without you, but, yep, you know, you um you you was you you put on a hard bargain today, mate. That's for sure. You know it was hard. Uh, and for, you know, before we go on, I want to say a massive congratulations to you and the missus. Oh, thank uh, you. With your new little one in the world. Um, <laughs> what, what 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 have you named him? Uh, just for the viewers out there. <laughs> you can't. Uh, uh, Khan. I think uh, I think that's the <laughs> name I'm hearing. It's <laughs> Mohammed Salahuddin Kiani. The little boy is uh-huh. I couldn't really get Mo Salah in there, so I just had to think of the next. <laughs> being a, well, thank being God, a, I mean, from the pictures I've seen, thank God he'd gone on the misses. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> Let's swiftly move on. <laughs> well, yeah, listen, thank you. Uh, thank you. And congratulations to you too, becoming an uncle. You know, let me know when you're free to babysit. Um, before we obviously get started, just want to remind the viewers out there, if they can, please make sure you hit that subscribe button for more Lights Out Boxing content. Uh, want to keep up to date with us, check us out on all the social media platforms. Links are going to be below in the description. Uh, links for this podcast, if you want to listen to it on any of the audio platforms, is going to be below in the description after this podcast. And we've also got another announcement to make. Um, as you guys know, my brother Asif Khan, you know, uh, Chris Human Jr.'s number one fan, is also mm-hmm. doing a seven-a-side football tournament in Luton, Bedfordshire. Um, if you fancy yourself as a footballer and you've got a good football team out there and you want to make a bit of history by coming out to win our first ever tournament, please feel free to check out the details. They're on the Lights Out Instagram story. But if you can't get through to our Lights Out Instagram story, just feel free to drop us a message and email. All of our links are below in the description and sign up to win some prizes, including trophies and medals and a £100 voucher to a new and up-and-coming dessert shop in Luton. We've got a lot to dis- to discuss today, and obviously we have to start off with what went down at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas as Dimitri Bivol stunned Canelo Alvarez. That's right, guys, you heard it here first. Canelo Alvarez suffered an L, beaten by Dimitri Bivol, a result that pretty much none of us seen coming, but it's happened. It's a win for Dimitri Bivol. He remains undefeated. Canelo Alvarez, a lot of questions asked, a lot of eyebrows raised, especially with the performance that he put in. But let's just start off by talking about the obvious run. Bivol won the fight, rightfully deserved to win the fight. He was a better fighter. I'm glad he never got robbed. Were you surprised with how well Bivol fought? Um, I mean, I'm with you and with the bookies. I had Bivol as a massive underdog. Um, not, you know, come on, you know, hello. He's a superstar. He's a cash cow of boxing. He's the face of boxing. He's the number one pound for pound. Uh, I didn't see it coming. Uh, but I, I was extremely kind of impressed with Bivol's performance. He, he had a game plan. He executed it really well. He used, you know, he kept that distance. He used that reach advantage and that height advantage. And... I can't remember kind of Canelo landing too much flush 
on the face. A lot of the kind of hits that uh, Bivol took were on the arm. And, you know, that's what he said at the end, that, look, my arms are really bruised, but my face is fine. Um, and he negated, you know, kind of Canelo's strengths. I think that was really important as well in that fight. All in all, you know, I, you know, I was just going by Bivol's kind of last few performances. None of them really kind of stood out for me. Um, in particular, his performance against, you know, Craig Richards and, you know, everyone was kind of writing him off and, and then everyone was saying how, oh, they've just cherry-picked another fighter, you know, uh, for Canelo's kind of resume, already an impressive resume to look even better now to get another win on his belt you know, at someone who's bigger than him. What do you make of it? What do you think of it? Uh, you know what, right? I have to be uh, brutally honest with you, which is a line we see a lot used for uh, YouTube yeah. channels in their titles. I was I was stunned by how well yeah. this guy performed. I mean, you, you just have to state the obvious. It was a boxing masterclass. It wasn't a, yeah. a lucky night at the office. It wasn't, you know, Canelo had an off day. Canelo fought the same way he did last night that he's done in his last three or four fights. His performance was kind of similar to Callum Smith. You know, he was targeting the arms and, you know, he just... He couldn't impose himself. You know, he was trying his best to kind of really go in and fight short. Um, and but what I really was impressed by Bivol was he would throw a few flurries and then he would move back and then he would kind of engage again rather than kind of staying in the pocket uh, and taking a lot of damage. And I thought that was a really good boxing plan. And Canelo seemed didn't know what to do really. Yeah, he was a bit frustrated out of ideas. Really, do you know what? Right, Bivol did something that someone said to me that if you want to beat Canelo, you have to do it this way. I remember when I was covering Eubank versus Williams in Cardiff back in February. And I'd done an interview with Johnny Nelson. And at the time, there was a lot of rumours circulating around the boxing world that Canelo would be going up to Cruiserweight at some point looking to fight Usyk. And Johnny Nelson, being a former world champion of the Cruiserweight division, I asked him, what if Canelo in your day had climbed up to Cruiserweight? And Johnny Nelson turned around and just said, listen, there's no chance in hell I would have allowed this guy to come up into my division, my territory, my domain, and try and think he can walk all over us. I would have bullied him. I would have showed him whose division this is. I would have not let a super middleweight come all the way up to cruiserweight and you know, plan, let him plan on what he's doing. I would have made it a horrible night for him. And that's exactly what Bivol did. Obviously, there's a bit of a difference between light heavyweight and cruiserweight, but Bivol showed us that he showed the boxing world that this light heavyweight division this is Bivol's division. Regardless of who you have as the number one face of that division, right now it's Bivol. Because Bivol has got something on his CV that none of these light heavyweights have got, and that he's got uh, the best name in boxing right now. You know? Can I ask you a question? Um, you, you meant, yeah, I totally agree with you. He's made a name for himself. Does he, does he join that pound for pound list now as a yes. result of that win? Where do you put him in that? Where, where do you put him in that rankings? Uh, Look, you've got to put him in. The, the top eight, wow. the top six. I'm not too sure about the top five, but look, this guy has just gone to be mm. a pound-for-pound king. You know, you can't discredit this. I mean, yes, we all know Canelo beat Kovlev at this weight and he's won a world title at this weight, but, you know, the the biggest two faces in that division before this fight were always better be and, and Bivol. Yep. Right? There's a lot of questions about Bivol in regards to his performance with Craig Richards. But this yep. guy put on a masterclass of a boxing performance on Saturday night. You know, he did not allow Canelo to gain any rhythm. You know, he kept Canelo at his, at his distance. And when Canelo was closing in, there was nothing in Canelo's performance that made you think, okay, do you know what? I look at this and I think he can actually beat Bivol in a rematch. Because I just thought that it was one step too many. I know Canelo dares to be great and I know he wants to go on, go on and break records and I know he wants to try and copy what the likes of the, the Roy Jones Jr. did. You know, the James Lights Out. Tony's did, but last on Saturday night for me was just a step too far, and he it, it wasn't a close fight. You no. know, Canelo had an off day. He got beaten by the better man on the night. He got surprised. Out. I mean, talking about the it wasn't a close fight. Were you surprised by the results of the scorecards? I mean, one fifteen, one thirteen, all three judges. I believe me and you, me and Montel were discussing this on the WhatsApp group, and I said before the scorecards were read out, you obviously asleep, you caught the fight out the next day and I goes, either he'll get robbed or the scorecards are going to be a lot closer than they shouldn't be. 
And as you said, 115 to 113. I had Canelo winning three rounds at best. There were some rounds where this guy had Canelo on the back foot, on the ropes, and he looked, I wouldn't say massively hurt Canelo, but he, he phased Canelo. And Canelo, yeah. for the first time in his career, apart from Floyd Mayweather, which, you know, you can't knock the guy because Floyd, for me, is the greatest of all time. But for the first time in this tremendous run that he's been on, Canelo looked like he never had any answers for this guy. It, it looked like when it got yeah. to the round, he just gave up. He thought, no, yeah, no. It looked like he was out of ideas. He just, you know, the dis, you know, that reach advantage really kind of made, you know, made him struggle. Uh, but I would have thought that Callum, Callum Smith would have done the same thing, but you know he wasn't able to. I, that I, same time. I just think, like you know, the guys Canelo's been campaigning at one sixty, one six, one six eight for many years. Yeah, he had that one fight at light heavyweight, but he come up against a younger and a fresher guy, and this guy yeah. is the future of that. He's division. in the peak of his career at the moment. Let's just say, let's just be honest. You know, he's not on the downhill like uh, Kovalev was. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I think that Kovalev victory was impressive. You know. Say, say what you want, you know, regardless of however Kovalev is, you know, he is a bigger man. But uh, but you've got someone in their prime, in their peak condition. Um, yeah. So let's see. I mean, they've, uh, they've, uh, they've, you know, it's a rematch now. Yeah. And you think, you think it goes the same way? Well, that's obviously the next question. Can Canelo win? I don't think he can. I honestly don't think he could. You know, it's. <laughs> Okay, if you were his coach, I mean, let, let's be. If you were in his corner, I mean, what would you do differently? Clearly, the, what the game plan they had in mind just bully him, walk him down, get him up against the ropes, get unleash, you know, flurries of punches that really hurt because we know what you know the immense power that Canelo has. Um, that didn't work. I think mean, you know, he was Bivol was too clever, he had really good footwork. Uh, you know, he would engage, you know, with a few flurries, then move back. Then get in the range again. You know he didn't well, want to fight Canelo's fight. Well, what, what, what I would do different is if I was Eddie Reynoso, I'd say like, listen, you're allowed to hit this guy on the face and the body as well, not just his arms. Yeah. Not every fighter is. You can't just focus on taking the arms out. Yeah. You know some of the muscle these guys pack on their arms is on another level. You know, and it's it's not going to work all the time. It might have worked with Callum Smith, and it might have worked with. Other fighters in those lower divisions, they ain't gonna work on these, you know, these beasts because that's what they are. Bivol, better be have their beasts. You know, they're much heavier. You know, they've been, they've campaigned at this division now for a number of years, and again, like you said, the flurries, it was just there wasn't much there. You know, and Bivol, he, he fought the right fight. You know, punches in bunches, stayed behind the jab, and then he picked the perfect time to go in with those flurries, and he never fought. You know, he. He never let his emotions get the better of him. When he had success... Yeah, there was that moment where they were both... Um, Canelo was goading him on. Yeah. And he turned it back. He was like, no, I'm going to carry on doing exactly. what I'm doing. Bivol, Bivol's, Bivol's fight. That's exactly... It was disciplined. It was well-disciplined. Yes. I, you know. I, just, I just want to read out some of the comments that we had on one of our Instagram polls that I did the other day. Uh, I wanted to get people's feedback on what they thought of uh, what went wrong for Canelo. Uh, John Gotti, 4-1-0. Slow feet and too much muscle. That's a that's a point I actually agree with. Um, another comment was from Xavier Miller, the trainer and head coach of Dillian White. Too big, too strong. Canelo is still special, but belongs at middleweight or super middleweight. Mm -hmm. Dean Collins, 2829. He couldn't get past the jab and close the distance and break the defense. Another comment was from yourself, Mosin Gulshir, outboxed. And then another comment. From Dan Lacey underscore zero through all punches as power punches. Again, something else I agree with. There was no basic one twos. There was no combinations. There was nothing behind his punches. He never set himself up like he normally would do. And yeah. in the end, he just paid the price for it. And look, I mean, we uh, we've seen what he's done in the past with Billy Joe Saunders. We've seen how he stopped Caleb Plant. But Canelo, for me, has always struggled with fighters that have got good movement, you know, and that's why I thought he'd struggle against Billy Joe Saunders because Billy Joe Saunders, for me, a fighter that I've followed quite closely throughout his career, has always had good movement, but in the end, eventually, he sussed out Billy Joe Saunders. But for me, I've always seen Canelo struggle against fighters with movement and Saturday night proved to be the point. You ask me if he wins the rematch, I don't think he does, but I think... 
from what I've heard today, he's, uh, Bivol's done an interview with Behind the Gloves. Shout out to Behind the Gloves. And Bivol said he's willing to go down to super middleweight if it's for the undisputed titles. And Bivol's campaigned at super middleweight before. And he said he's willing to do it at 168 pounds. That's the only way I see Canelo winning this fight. I just think that this is a step too much. And I know it's not that much difference in terms of the weight. But there is a bit of a difference when you're fighting fighters like Bivol and Better Beer, fighters that have campaigned at this weight for a very long time. Do you think he wins the rematch? Uh, it's difficult, isn't it? You know, watching that last performance, you know, you sometimes get an indication, oh, you could do this differently, you could do that differently. Um, I agree with the points that you've made. If it's at a, a catch weight or maybe a super middleweight, then, you know, it falls more in his favour. Um, but look, if you looked at the two fighters, they didn't look they didn't look like a massive difference. Um, you know, it's just the height difference that kind of emphasized it a little bit more. Um, Nonetheless, it's 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 going to be it's going to be very. I mean, it's the power. You're, I mean, you're, the weight you're walking around, the power you're throwing. Yeah, it's a different game. And we, um, we we don't know how his training camp went as well. Yeah. I mean, look, I love, I appreciate that he didn't say, you know, put excuses and blames like a fighter, you know, who's been amazing as he has, mm. would have done, you know, someone who's fought the elite, the best of the best. And I appreciate that, you know, he, he gave respect where it was due. Uh, and uh, let's be honest, Bivol's kind of ruined um, uh, Eddie Hearn's uh, big payday, you know, with uh, get that, re that third fight against uh, Triple G. So, well, so let's. This is a, 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 it opens doors for Golovkin to look at the likes of the Eubanks, maybe one of the Charlos. I mean, you know, a defeat could mean, you know, bigger possibilities. But look, you, there's no bigger fight out there for Golovkin right now than Canelo. But you've heard what Canelo said. We understand that there was a rematch clause in the contract. We're going to get set for a rematch. It doesn't end like this. It doesn't end like this. It doesn't end like this at all. There will be a rematch. And I don't, I mean, I personally thought, the location for the I know the T-Mobile arenas considered one of the best locations in boxing for American fans. I thought the location for a Canelo fight was just ridiculous, man. I mean, like Canelo is a is the biggest face in boxing, one of the biggest faces in boxing, and he's, he's you know he's got to be fighting in you know the, the AT&T arena. Or he's he's got to be fighting at MSG, you know. But we've heard Eddie Hearn during last week saying the plan is to get him into the U. To the UK to fight at least once. Why not bring that fight to the UK? Wow! But we know so now Bivol is the guy that holds all the cards. I know financially Canelo's on another level, another level. But as long as Bivol's got that win over him, listen, mate. You know Bivol could, might play devil's he advocate. Demands a lot more money now, man. He's not going to do it for the pennies that he. Yeah. He deserves it. Let's listen, Ron. He's we, not obligated to fight him again. I mean, well, I get contractually, yes. But it's not for any titles. He's not losing any belts over it. Well, Ron, look, look, let's, you know what, right? I, I, I just feel sometimes in this game, right, the winning fighter doesn't get the credit that he deserves. Like, no. one guy that I actually feel sorry for is Usyk. Because when you talk to the people close in AJ's corner, the Eddie Hearns and the, the Rob McCrackens, the excuse is the game plan was all wrong. But you never heard him once turn around and be like, he lost to the better man on the night. Let's not, you know, look at the fact that Canelo was up at light heavyweight. And let's not look at the fact that it was an off night. Let's just be brutally honest. Again, a light line I'm going to use. He lost to the guy that was a better man and he executed a better game plan. Uh, before we move on, just a few comments. Boxing lover. Canelo got bullied by a true 175 pounds fighter. Boxing TV. Hi, guys. Canelo didn't throw a jab all fight. I'd like to see Canelo make Bivol think twice before walking into boxing range with that jab. Some very, very good comments there. Thank you, guys. Keep them coming. Let's move on. Because Mr. 50-0, TBE, you know, pretty boy, more nicknames than Apollo Creed, is back in the ring on Saturday night, I believe, at the Burj Khalifa, at the top of Burj Khalifa, wherever it is. And he takes on Don Moore in an exhibition bout. Uh, Don Moore done a bit of research about him, watched a few of his fights, 17 and 1, I think he is. Um, we spoke about this, Ron. You know, I think when you look at exhibition bouts, when we really started touching on this was the whole Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. We've obviously had different opinions of it back then, but it's been a regular thing now. We've seen Mike, um, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. We've seen Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul, and now we've seen Floyd Mayweather and, and Don Moore. 
given the fact that now it's becoming an extended period in boxing where we're seeing more and more of these exhibition bouts, are you warming to them or does your feelings still stay, stay the exact same as they were before? Oh, uh, well, look, we're going to see more of it. You know, this is a, a boxer's, you know, once they retired, a, a way to make money and generate revenue, really, let's be honest, with TV channels. And uh, so, look, whether we like it or not, it's here to stay. And, and, and people who didn't have the, you know, the privilege of watching kind of Floyd Mayweather, you know, in his, during his prime like us, uh, they can still watch him in action. Um, I mean, I don't, what, I mean, it's, it's, they're not going to take it proper seriously. You won't see any brutal knockouts. Um, there's probably things written into contracts. So it's kind of like semi-staged to some degree, isn't it? Um, so am I going to pay to watch it? No. Am I going to stay up late to watch it? No. So it's not something that really gets me out of bed. Uh, but there's another fight that's coming up that I'm more excited about, uh, but I'm sure we'll talk about that later. So, um. Yeah, do you, you know what, right? I'll, I'll say one thing, okay? Am I a big yeah. fan of these exhibition bouts? No, and I'm, not, I'm exactly like you. I'm not going to stay up late. I'm not going to pay for it. But one thing I am glad that these exhibition bouts do offer some undercard coverage. And on that undercard, you've got the likes of Badu Jack fighting on it. So, you know, it's, it's that, that is one of the plus sides for it. However... I still feel as if with what we've been through with the pandemic and mm. how the up-and-coming fighters have suffered, you know, I've, we, we've seen things such as what Marcus Rashford's done with the school dinners. You know, there's been a lot of people that have sort of like, you know, got together and helped out people in difficult financial situations, such as this whole school dinner process thing, which I thought Marcus Rashford did tremendously well with. I would like to see one of these faces say, do you know what? Here's so-and-so millions of dollars or whatever. Let's pump this into our next generation of, of, of boxers that are going to be the future of the sport, you know, and hopefully we could find the next Floyd Mayweather, the next Oscar De La Hoya. Hopefully this money will bring through a good crop of fighters because, you know, the sport suffered a lot. You know, I know personally a lot of fighters that have suffered a lot through the pandemic that aren't even fighting anymore. And, you know, when you're getting millions and millions of pounds to have an exhibition battle where there's no winner, there's no loser, and you're just... Uh, it's partly like, scripted. Let's be honest. It's uh, it's really scripted, and it's just uh, it's it's, it's yeah. a shame these youngsters, you know. But look, you know, good luck to him, Logan. He's still making money, and he's still relevant in boxing. Um, where, where are they fighting? On top of a helipad, isn't it? That's so right. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if we will uh, will ever kind of experience that again. You know, a fight that's you know up in the air. I don't mm. know how many meters, but. Well, best of luck to him. I'll watch the highlights because yeah. just like you, I loved watching Floyd Mayweather as a kid. You know, um, he's 44 now, I believe, and he's still getting in the ring. This, he's still taking that slight risk. You know, one punch could change everything. He's not a young Floyd Mayweather anymore. But uh, listen, if, 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 if that's what tickles your fans, then fair enough. Kel Brook announced his retirement from boxing the other day. I was very shocked. Because I was hoping that we'd get well, I, I, I actually thought he'd fight again. Um, from what I were, I was hearing that talks with uh, Chris Eubank Jr. were progressing well, and then I woke up to uh, Michael Benson's and Mike Coppinger's tweets. Uh, Kel Brook has announced his retirement from boxing. Um, apparently, the talks with Chris Eubank Jr. Um, went south, and that fight's not happening. Um, but when you look at it in a whole, it's probably the right decision. And I don't think the guy could have gone out any higher. For how many years he was chasing that fight with his longtime rival, Amir Khan, and he put in that tremendous performance on February the 19th at the AO Arena in Manchester, you know, I think it's the right decision. Um, I'm a fan of Kel Brook. I've always watched the majority of his fights. I remember staying up late to watch his fight with Crawford. I remember going up to Sheffield when he fought Spence. I remember... In 2013, as a young kid tuning into his fight with Sean Porter, mm. former world champion, former British champion. And listen, you know, he he went out the best way possible. He beat Amir Khan. No two ways about it. Phenomenal career. Great fighter. Could he have achieved more? Every fighter out there could have achieved more. But listen, we have to pr pay credit to the man. 
looking back on the career of uh, Special K, Babe, you know, would you say it was a um, a successful career run, or do you think there could have been there was something missing? How many people can say they were world champions in the, you know in such a great division as well, the welterweight division? Um, uh, look, I think you, we we spoke about this after that. You know, we did a review after the fight, um, and we we sang you the praises. And this is the right time to go out. You know, you know, um, he's suffered some really tough injuries as well. Uh, the the orbital bone damage against uh, Triple G and against Errol Spence as well. So um, walking away with you know a few kind of a couple of quid in his pocket with his health intact that's that's the main thing for him you know he, he's done you know he's been a credit to the sport and you know he's not going to be short on work with you know in terms of media you know kind of analyzing fights so yeah i, I think it's the right move he, he, what, what what was there to gain out of kind of fighting uh eubank i mean a couple of mil here and there but in the grand scheme of things, if he had lost and everyone would have been like, well, look, he's passed it. He's 35, 36 years of age. Time to hang up the gloves. You know, I think there's some things that are more important, like health, you know, when it, rather than making a couple of quid and re having massive regrets later on in life, thinking, why did I do that one, two fight, one fight too many? Mm -hmm. Beat Amir Khan. He's got the bragging rights in the Yorkshire, Lancashire kind of... Um, Kind of rivalry they had, so you settle that score. Um, enjoy it, you know. Kind of, you know, and people will remember you for that fight, uh, amongst other fights as well that you've mentioned. I'm actually interested to see what that means for that rematch clause in the contract because, um, obviously, we all understand that Amir Khan, if you've watched Meet the Khans, he's he still wants that rematch. I mean, what does that mean for contractual obligations? Um, let's just hope Kelbrook doesn't end up going to court and getting sued. Um, but you know, I hope Amir Khan looks at this. And I mean, look, that fight, yeah, you you know, you would take, you know, fine. Because we saw what Kelbrook did. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, you know, you know, bossed him in that fight. And he didn't look in any trouble. You know, there was nothing in Amir Khan's performance. I thought, oh, hold on a minute. If they did a rematch that, he would really trouble him. You know, he, he just looked defeated throughout. Um, but against a... Uh, a different proposition, someone who can withstand a lot more kind of power and punches uh, in Eubank. We know what, you know, what he's like with his chin. Um, you know, why put yourself through that? At least with Amir Khan, you know what you've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. And, you know, and you, you, I think that's worth the risk, not the Chris Eubank Jr. kind of fight. Yeah, uh, and as as you said, man, he's absorbed a lot of punishment as well. You know, mm. uh, eye orbitals and you know those fights with Golovkin and Spence. He was never quite the same fighter again. And I just think, like, had he fought Amir Khan again and had he lost, then there's a third fight. You know, there's potential. You know, there's those training camps. You know, then they've got to go through it over and over again. Mm. And I think Amir Khan looks at this and thinks, you know what? Maybe it's best I call it a day too. And I mean, looked at, you know, at the end of that fight, he doesn't look like he. Won. You know what? People say that they have the 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 the, the fighter that loses this fight has, has to live with it for the rest of their life. I think they for a couple of months, yeah, but then after that, you just get over it. You know, you you fighters lose fights. It is what it is. You don't. These got Amir Khan's not going to dwell on this defeat to Calbrook for the rest of his life. You yeah. saw that there was mutual respect there after the fight. That's the main thing. Had Calbrook had glanced around him and paraded him and taunted him yeah i just beat you or yeah i stopped you then you could say all right fair enough but the fact that there's mutual respect these guys should think do you know what we gave the fans what we wanted might have been four or five years late but we still did it we still put on that spectacle because that's what it was and we were both former world champions we both had great careers we both made enough money go off into the sunset now become a, a pundit you know or a trainer or whatever but Enjoy your re retirement, Kelbrook. A very, very successful successful career. Um, boxing action this weekend. We'll start off this Friday night's fight at the Indigo at the O2 Arena. Wasserman Boxing are putting on their first show of the year on Channel 5. Denzel Bentley versus Linus Eudolfia for the British middleweight title. Denzel Bentley, a former British champion, 
Linus Adolfia, just like us, Ron, a fellow Litonian, mm-hmm. trying to be yeah. the first British uh, champion from Luton for the first time since, I believe, I think it's Billy Schwer. I'm not too sure. But uh, yeah, this now is you've got really running back the clock there. 100%. Nonetheless, great fight. Um, Bentley's done it before. Can he become a two time British middleweight champion? And has the experience of the fights with the likes of the Mark Heffrons and the Phoenix Cash is going to slightly give him the upper hand going into his fight with Linus Adolfia? Uh, well, look, uh, we're going to be team Luton here. We're going to be team Linus here, you know. I don't know. Sitting on the fence. I know both guys very well. <laughs> well, look, I'm going to own a fight with Linus here. Both guys to return home safe to their families. That's what I want. And I want a great fight. Absolutely. I mean, they both go in uh, with this fight with good, you know, solid records. You know, um, Denzel with 15 wins, one, uh, one, uh, one loss on his record, um, you know, and one drawn. And Linus, he's, he's undefeated with nine knockouts from 17 fights. So, you know, this is it. This is this is his moment. This is his moment where he, you know, he's at a good age. He's 28. He wins his British title. There's going to be so many doors that open up from him uh, if he's able to kind of come through this. Um, but regardless, it's going to be you know, two good fighters. You know, it's going to be a good you know scrap for the British title. That, that's you've always spoken very highly about boxers going going through their apprenticeship before they go on to the European. Then they go on to the world level. So yeah, um, do, you, do you know what? Right, I like this fight because. Obviously, it's two good British fighters. They're both good fighters. And I remember many years ago when I interviewed Denzel Bentley for the first time and he spoke about this potentially being a fight that will happen somewhere down the line. And I'm glad that it's happening. And I'm glad that, you know, Denzel Bentley's not looked at this and thought, now I've already won the British title. Why would I want to win it again for? I'll just focus on bigger and better things. So he's given Mm. Linus that respect. And Linus has obviously won the English title. He's represented Luton well. You know, he's formerly managed by David Hay. It's a good fight, man, and it, it, it's actually a decent card. You know, you've got Josh Kelly on it as well. You've got Brad Pauls. You know, there's some good local talent. Harlem Eubank, the cousin of Chris Eubank Jr. And as you said, you know, the winner of this fight could move on to bigger and better things. I mean, you look at some of the names in this division. You know, there's there's still Liam Williams who's still around. You know, there's a potential rematch for Bentley versus Felix Cash if Denzel Bentley wins this fight. You know, there's, and don't forget Chris Eubank Jr. as well. You know, he's going to be looking for an opponent now. I know, obviously, he was looking at a world title shot with Golovkin and we don't know what's happening there. So the winner of this fight goes on to bigger and better things. However, having said that, you know, if I have to put a prediction on it, I would slightly favour Denzel because he's this is his fourth British title fight now, Ron. It's not his first second. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I've, got I've got a lot of time for Linus Adolfi, a great guy, fellow Lutonian, but... You know, I'm not going to just, like, not say my opinion just so it benefits, so he doesn't get disheartened, even though he wouldn't. But I would, I go for the guy that's more experienced in these fights. And British title fights, man, they've, you know, we've seen some barn burners over the years. You know, you look at Joshua versus White. You look at Fitzgerald versus Fowler. British title fights, for me, are the ones that really do, you know, live up to expectation. But who have you got as a favourite going into this fight, Ron, from what you've seen of both these fighters and knowing their records? Linus. That's it. I'm going to be biased as hell. Uh, Linus is, you know, I know I haven't had the pleasure of meeting Denzel, but I'm going to go team Linus here. Uh, I just think this is his moment um, and this is going to be his platform to kind of lift himself off and really announce himself uh, to the wider public and chase those bigger fights. And look, you know, I would love for Linus to win it. Maybe one day Linus is headlining at... um, uh, Powell Court, the Luton Town Stadium. You know, I mean, this is it. We, we've got to, as boxing fans, you know, we've got to dream big. Uh, that's it. We want a local guy to be doing that. Look, this is exciting times for the town of Luton. He could win a British title on Friday night, and a week later, Luton Town could be promoted to the Premiership. Mate, we could dream. We could dream. Hmm. And you might actually pay your Sky Bill as well. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we cut that bit out, please? <laughs> really joking. Okay, well, listen, best of both to luck, uh, best of luck to both fighters. It's going to be a fascinating fight. Um, on Saturday night, Jamel Charlo versus Brian Castano 2, the rematch, first fight, ended in a draw. It is for the Undisputed Super Welterweight Championship. 
First fight was pretty decent. I'm not going to lie. I thought Brian Castano did more than enough to win. Obviously, in boxing, there's those three little things called the judges. They saw different. Look, we're talking about a guy. Look, before we talk about our prediction and before we talk about, you know, what we what we make of the first fight, what's going to happen, I've got to say, man, these Charlo brothers, they do a lot of talking. They talk a lot. And mm. this, this has to be the... All right, this is... This is where I, I think they're at in their career right now, yeah? No one is talking about this fight. Absolutely nobody. You look at the latest trends of boxing on Twitter, on social media, Canelo and the Bivol fight, and then obviously the Floyd Mayweather fight, of course, his exhibition. And then it's a lot about the Denzel Bentley fight. There's not much hype surrounding this fight. That is because these Charlo brothers are wasting their time in their career. And I know they've won world titles, and I know they're one of them still undefeated. They're both in their thirties. Who have they fought? Nobody. You hear yeah. them a lot more talking than you do in the ring. And I honestly believe that they could be managed slightly better. I would love to see someone like an Eddie Hearn work work with these guys. And I would love to see Jamal Charlo fight a Chris Eubank Jr. or a Golovkin. But you just you just see more notifications about these guys on social media than you do in the ring. And the fact that this is for an undisputed fight, you know, we're talking the, 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 the king of the mountain fight, you know, the guy that is the king of the 154-pound division fight. The fact that there's no publicity surrounding it, that there's no coverage on YouTube about the build-up to the fight says it all. But, you know, I can run and rave all day long, but I just think these are two talented fighters that are wasting their careers right now. And this guy's got to win on Saturday night. Because if he doesn't, what, what, what else is he? What else can he possibly do? They constantly call out every fighter, every top five fighter, every top ten fighter. And, and these fights never happen. And who's like, who's looking after these guys? You know, who's who's managing these guys? It's. I'm not saying it as a dig. I'm saying it because I want to see these guys fulfill their potentials because they're actually decent fighters. But it's just they're wasting so much time. I, I need to get your thoughts on this. I totally agree with you. Um, you know, I mean, they've they've been calling out Canelo. They've been calling out all these all sorts of names, but you know, there's nothing about them. There's no kind of fanfare. There's no kind of real interest about let's get in the ring. This is one that put plus. Um, you know, he he. You know, Jamal needs to come through this fight, get that W. And then move on to big fights. You know, getting that one fight that really makes him, him a household name. Um, you know, there is a lot of talk, a lot of hype behind these two brothers, but you know, there isn't much proof in the pudding, uh, as you would say. You know, they, they, they've been, they've got you know, really good career, you know, solid careers, but but that name, they haven't got that name on their record that they're desperately seeking. Um, you know, they've been shouting out people's names, but. Yeah, at the start, of the other brother, Jamal Charlo, there was reports that he was close to getting the Canelo fight. And I was actually excited because I thought, finally, we get to see this guy in a big fight and it never happened. And mm. I, I honestly think it never happened because this guy tried buying off more than he could chew in terms of negotiations. That's what I honestly believe. You know, just stop all this acting on social media, get in the ring and show us what you're about. I want to see these guys fulfill their potentials. You know, it'd be a good thing. It'd be good to have a new, fresh face in these divisions and you know if jamal jamel charlo does win and if he doesn't go up well there's a potential fight with tim zoo costa zoo's son there's a potential fight with liam smith you know a potential fight with chris Eubank jr if they fancy doing it at catchweight but the fight itself uh, like i said i thought castano did enough in the first fight i think castano doesn't need to change up anything going into the second fight however i want to see jamel charlo press this fight more i want mm. i don't want him to get a close decision i want to see him go out there and make a statement and he knows for a fact, right, he's, he, he, probably, he probably won't say this during fight week, but he knows for a fact that if he goes out there and puts on a solid performance, maybe even takes this guy out, this will open doors for him. Why? Because he rules that 154-pound division and he's got all the belts and he's got a lot more to offer now. And he needs the big fights. These brothers need the big fights. What, what, what do you see going down on Saturday night when these two guys fight? Uh, you know, like we said... The Charlo, there's a lot of hype around there. I just hope he can really come through this fight 
and set himself up for a big fight next. Um, that's it, really. Pretty much, you, you've you've kind of nailed it on its head. That there's, you know, we don't want to be kind of their careers to go past, and we'd be like, well, what have they actually achieved? What have they actually done? Um, so that's it. That's the next thing. Uh, I would love to see him, you know, over in England, fighting someone like a Eubank. I mean, any of our middleweights, you know, that would, I'd love to get them in the ring with. Only time will tell. And like I said, for me, Jamal Charlo is under a lot of pressure on Saturday night and he's got to look good. Uh, final look good. Absolutely. So come through this. Today's podcast, um, another great fight to look forward to on Saturday night is up in the heavyweight division between uh, former Olympic gold medalist Tony Yokart, who takes on Martin Bacoli. Great fight. I think, um, obviously, before we come on the podcast and we were speaking today, well, I was saying to you that I'm actually impressed with how the landscape of the heavyweight division looks right now. Not, mm-hmm. The fuss is not all about the top four, top five fighters. I mean, you look, I mean, we potentially got a fight between uh, Joseph Parker and Joe Joyce, which is going to take place at some point in the summer. It's a done deal for Andy Ruiz and Luis Ortiz. And now you've got these two guys fighting. And I think, like, when, when we've spoken about the heavyweight division in the past, we've always said that. Who did you say about Luis Ortiz? Who's he fighting? It's Andy Ruiz. Andy Ruiz, yeah? Yes. Okay. And there's a, I mean, you, another mentioned uh, heavyweight you didn't mention is... Uh, Philip Hergovic, apparently he was in a fight. Uh, but he, quite Jan, he pulled out yeah. due to obviously um, personal issues. So, yeah, totally agree with you there. The, the heavyweight division, there's a lot of kind of fanfare, a lot of kind of hype around a lot of these up and coming fighters. Do you know what it is? I think, I, I think we just need to give a break to the top four, top five for a minute. You know, we need to see. We need to have a. We need to start now knowing who is the next face in this division. That next wave. Let's just and the Usyk. Yeah. We need to sort of like see the future of this division. And like I said, uh, Yoko Bacoli, Ortiz, Ruiz, Hergovic, Zhang, Parker versus uh, Joyce, and Brian as well. Those are ten top heavyweights. That are going to fight each other. You know, we could potentially be looking at a Robin Round sort of, you know, little mix going on here. And whoever wins this fight, listen, if they put themselves right in the mix, maybe for I don't know the, the European title or a final eliminator. But this, this, this is a good fight. You know, we, we this is a fight that's been postponed before. You know, um, I'm really, really looking forward to this fight. However, we have to give a prediction and we have to obviously discuss and break down what goes on in the fight. You know, Tony Yoka's got a great amateur background, but Martin Bacoli under Billy Nelson is a, is massive is a massively improved fighter. And I just think because you know, let's not look at the fact that he's going into someone else's backyard. You know, Bacoli's going in there with nothing to lose. A lot of people have hyped up Tony Yoka. Maybe that hype might not. You know, we we might not see the reason behind that hype, or we might. But I, I'm a big fan of this fight because, like I said, we. We're moving. We're giving a break to the to the top five right now, which is what we need to do because I think the last two years we've just solely focused on Fury, Usyk, Joshua Wilder, White. You know, the only big fight we've had since that in this division is Dubois versus Joe Joyce, and that was in the pandemic, and that was without the fans. So it's good to see now we've got five good fights to look forward to. What's your feeling on this fight, Ron? Um, I'm gonna go with Tony Yoka. You know, you're right. There's a, there's been always been a lot of hype around him. Good amateur pedigree, um, six foot seven, um, and there's not much coming through Europe, isn't it? You know, like France as well. I mean, when's the last time France produced a really good boxer? John so, That was how long ago? I mean, that was years ago. So that was uh, yeah, David Hayes. Yeah, yeah. So. So Martin Bacoli, you know, he's only got the one defeat on his record uh, from what I remember against Michael Hunter. It was a 10th round knockout. Mm. So I think, you know, it would be a good fight. And the winner is, the, you know, like you said, I, I like this uh, uh, whole idea about the round robin that you mentioned. You know, could that set up a fight against uh, Philip Hergovic? Could that set up a fight against uh, any of the other people that are on the cusp of the top six heavyweight division, you know, that, that are trying to break into that. Ron was, um, that there was rumours around social media 
that uh, Michael Hunter could be fighting Huey Fury again. Another good. Oh God, I like that. I like the sound of that. That that sounds like a really good fight. Um, there's another. There's a chance of um, Derek. Derek Chisora is still about. Oh my God, Ulev's <laughs> still about. He glassed me. You know this. You could. Dillian White's still about. Do you know what I mean? There's so many fights that we could see in this heavyweight division. And I just wish these promoters, managers would get the act together and be like, do you know what? Let's work. What about to- a boxing super series with heavyweights? Well, I'll hopefully be bumping into Callis Island on, Saturday, on Wednesday. Just that, man. You know what? Pick eight of those, you know, those ma- names that we mentioned. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, the likes of Dillian White is not going to be bothered with a, a super series because, uh, rightly so. Uh, mm-hmm. But all those names that we've just mentioned, they would love to win a Muhammad Ali trophy and get their names up there and say to, you know... I'm going to have to say because if you remember when Chisora was fighting Joseph Parker at the press conference and it was on the Regis Prograde versus Josh Taylor card and um, they asked Chisora about the fight and Chisora goes, before answering this question, I just want to know who's the number one fight and who's the who's the main chief on this show. And Eddie Hearn kind of tried avoiding the question, saying, "Listen, you know, you are the main event, but the main event is going to be Taylor versus Prograde." And Chisora's like, "Well, I'm not going to sell out the O2 to my London fans for the Muhammad Ali Trophy. You know, who gives a fuck about it?" So I don't think Chisora would be throwing his name into the hat. But no, I, I mean it's not aimed at a Chisora. I think it's aimed at these up and coming that could break into that mm. that top six kind of vying for the you know potentially in the future vying for a world heavyweight title. Look, Tyson Fury, you know we're not going to go on about it, but you know what's going to happen with him? Is he going to relinquish the WBC? Mm-hmm. What happens between uh, Joshua and Usyk? And at some point, one of those boxing organizations is going to be like, well, look, you need to. You know, vacate one of these titles. You know, um, that that becomes available. So look, that it's it's like a carrot that you're dangling, and you know, and as promoters, you're thinking, right, this is a two three year project that we can just start here. And I think the uh, Muhammad Ali Trophy would be ideal. It would be, but then again, you got to look at funding, and you got to look at which fight is tied up with who. You know, can they? Yeah, that's that's, that's, a, that's a logistical like, nightmare. I, I guess I, I don't. Know. I mean, it's. Sounds great. <laughs> if my auntie, if my auntie had balls, she'd be my uncle. You know, if so's and buts and maybes. You know, we we live. Unfortunately, that's the world we live in. Um, let's get a prediction for this fight. I'm gonna go for Tony Yoker on points strictly because of the experience. I don't know why, but for me, experience plays a massive part in this sport. It, it's experience and ring and acti- ring activity. Um, yeah. I'm gonna go for Tony Yoker on points. I think he'll just. I, I, I think he's a he's a better mover than Bacoli. You know, he's better behind the jab. Bacoli possesses a lot of power. I just think Tony Yoka's going to have too much for him in terms of movement and in terms of simple boxing, punches and bunches, working behind the jab and sticking to a simple game plan. What about you, Ron? What's your prediction? I'll, I'll, I'll go with you. Yeah, I think the same. Um, you know, there's not much in it in age. They're both similar ages. Uh, but the Tony Yoka's got the uh, the experience with the amateur pedigree. I think he'll just outbox him. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it'll be a good name on his record uh, for Tony uh, moving forward. But he needs to now start getting these bigger fights um, if he wants to be recognised as a serious contender in this division. How do you see him winning? And who would you like to see him fight next if he does win? You know, there's a lot of good names that you mentioned there. You've got a Huey Fury. You've got, uh, if he wants to be really brave, Daniel Dubois. You've got Philip Hergovic as well. Who's the other one? Um, the Savage. Babich. Does he fight? He's at Bridgeweight now, but he can still come up to heavyweight. You know what? He's not one to turn down a challenge. I mean, I've heard his interviews. and uh, mm-hmm. That's another fate and fight you could bring in. Uh, you've got, right, well, another name you miss, miss, uh, missed was Jared Anderson. Yes, you know I mean? because... all those names that you mentioned, there wasn't an, an American in there. How how you know strange is that? You've got so many heavyweights you could have a Royal Rumble. Ron, yeah. before we, we before we end the podcast, I've brought a new idea to the podcast. It's a um, a quick fire question, but not the ones that we used to do before. And I just want an answer and I want an honest answer. 
a super fight, a super fantasy fight. Chris Eubank Jr. versus Carl Froch, both in their prime. Who wins? I'm gonna go with Carl Froch. As Carl much Froch. as much as I love Carl Froch, the reason why I said I've picked this fight is because this fight would be an absolute scrap. I mean, Carl, I, mean, I think strange. Yeah, I mean, those two fights that you put together. Do you know why I picked this fight? Why? Why those two names? Because these two fighters, you know how I said with Canelo and Bivol, that Bivol never fought with emotion. These two fighters do. These two yeah. fighters never tear up. <laughs> so this is why, I, I mean, look at Froch versus Grove. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant, reluctant to say Carl Froch straight away now because oh, I no, think no. he's a, you he's know a what? much improved fighter you know, in the last few fights compared to early on in his career. I think Carl Froch should knock him out. No, I, I mean, Eubank Jr. has got a chin. He's, he's not been, yeah, there's never been any fights where I think he's going to go, he's going to topple. He's, I actually he's, think Carl Frotter would knock Chris Eubank Jr. out if it ever happened in their primes. Uh, I'm sure they sparred. I'm sure they have sparred. So, somebody get me the footage so I can prove my point. There are, there, I mean, when he was, uh, this was uh, towards the end of Carl Frotter's career and Eubank. At the beginning of his career, so there was that bit of sparring. I don't know how how that went, but you, you do know that Froch fought in front of eighty thousand fans at Wembley, right? No, I did not know that. No, no, I'm sure he told Mayweather that as well. <laughs> and the rest of the Sky Sports audience. Anyway, listen, Ron, pleasure as always, mate, because that's all we've got time for today for Podcast Fifty Two, guys. A uh, quick reminder out there, please, if you can, make sure you hit that subscribe button, turn on the bell for future notifications, and some more. Lights out boxing content. We've got some exciting interviews and some hopefully some more exciting content coming up. Ron, thank you very much, mate. Hopefully, we'll get you on for podcast 53. We've got an exciting idea for podcast 53. And once again, to the viewers out there, thank you for watching podcast 52 of the Lights Out Boxing Podcast. <laughs>